This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome back to the Legislature Today, I'm Randy Yowie. This is the last week for the 2023 regular legislative session. It will end on midnight Saturday, March 11th, and we'll be with you every step of the way. This past Saturday, the House of Delegates met in an extended session, took up several major bills. The first was an effort to shore up the Public Employees Insurance Agency, PEIA. Recently, hospitals and providers have announced they would stop accepting the insurance plan. So to fix it, Senate Bill 268 would require a minimum 110% reimbursement of the Medicare rate for all providers. On the other hand, it would increase employee premiums by roughly 25%. And spouses who have insurance available to their own employers would have to pay an additional $147 a month to stay on the plan. The Senate passed the bill today by a vote of 26 to 6. The House also approved its own version of a 2024 budget, reducing the governor's proposal by about $250 million to account for other priorities. Both chambers will now have to agree. The House unanimously approved an amended Senate Bill 423, which would increase the annual salaries of members of the West Virginia State Police and public school teachers by $2,300. The pay raises would become effective July 1st, Raises for other state employees have to be included in the general budget. The House also approved House Bill 2526 to cut $754 million in taxes. Personal income tax rates would be cut by about 21% across all tax brackets retroactive to January 1, 2023. Taxpayers would receive a 100% tax credit on their vehicles when they pay personal property taxes, and small businesses would be able to claim a 50% tax credit against personal property taxes paid on machinery, equipment, and inventory. Disabled military service veterans would receive a refundable tax credit against their personal income taxes for real property taxes paid on their homes. The Senate concurred with this unanimously. Additionally, Justice signed House Bill 2006 into law today. That bill separates the Department of Health and Human Resources into three separate agencies, one for health, one for human resources like Child Protective Services, and a third for health facilities. West Virginia's working men and women took center stage at the Capitol Rotunda today on Trade Apprenticeship Day at the legislature. The old is new again when it comes to learning an occupation. Construction, maintenance, renovation, design. The jobs theme here today update what goes back to the medieval apprentice times of the butcher, baker, and candlestick maker. 
West Virginia is fifth in the nation in apprenticeship programs. And George Capel, the Government Relations Director for the West Virginia State Building and Construction Trades, says the Earn While You Learn initiative puts thousands on a direct career path. So you have a job while you're in the program and you're paid a living wage while the, during while you're um, receiving your education. And also it's tuition free for the apprentice. So a lot of great benefits for the apprentices in these programs. Capel says he's concerned with Senate Bill 59, stalled in the House Workforce Development Committee since Valentine's Day. It's a bill that would cut unemployment benefits from 26 to 12 weeks. Capel notes that many construction jobs are temporary and or seasonal. Folks who are on unemployment are there through no fault of their own. So it's not just like they're staying on there for an indefinite amount of time. You have to have earned wages in West Virginia for the last in, in the last 18 months to be on those, uh, on those rolls. And it's important to us because those unemployment benefits get our folks through the times when there is no work, whether that's the winter months or time between projects. Uh, we, we rely on that. Now these construction, maintenance, renovation and design folks want to see a program similar to what they're doing in Michigan and other states. You complete your trade apprenticeship and you earn an associate's degree. Sean Young from Buchanan completed a five-year electrical apprenticeship. He went to work as an electrician and is now an IBEW union organizer. Young says earning that degree from an apprenticeship would open more career doors. For me, I work for the union. Other people go work for contractors directly, maybe in the office as a project manager or, or an estimator. And some of those positions with these big companies require some kind of college education, for even if it's not even related. But in a related field, to have that degree and then be able to continue to pursue higher education afterward would be a great thing, I think. Twelve construction craft unions, all supporting apprenticeships, were represented at the Capitol today. A bill to recognize an unborn child as a distinct victim in a DUI causing death passed the Senate today with amendments. The bill now returns to the House for their agreement. Senator Charles Trump, a Republican from Morgan County, explained the bill on the Senate floor. Any person who drives a vehicle in this state while he or she is under in an impaired state and such impaired state approximately causes the death of any person is guilty of a felony and upon conviction thereof should be imprisoned in the state correctional facility not less than three nor more than 15 years, fined not less than $1,000, more than $3,000 or both and have his, uh, his license to operate a motor vehicle suspended for a period of 10 years. While DUI causing death is already a crime in the West Virginia Code, this bill and its amendments will add the death of an unborn child to felony offenses. What the bill does, the amendment does, is it makes the DUI death statute applicable to the death of a, an embryo or a uterus, an embryo or fetus. Um, as authorized by 61-230, that's the other section that's amended. In other words, it treats a child in utero as a person for purposes of the DUI death statute. Senator Trump described the legislation as filling a hole in West Virginia's current laws surrounding intoxicated driving. We'll say if, if you drive under the influence and you, you cause a wreck and you terminate a woman's pregnancy, you kill a child in utero, you're gonna be treated under the law as if you had killed an adult who'd been born or a child who'd been born. Uh, it'll be a measure of justice going forward 
for people who do that sort of reckless, outrageous thing, drive under the influence and, and maim people on our highways. House Bill 2827, as amended, would provide public charter schools access to funding from the Safe School Safety Fund. Last year, $5.7 million was awarded through the U.S. Department of Education to public schools to promote access to mental health services and support school safety through the Stronger Connections grant program. House Bill 2827 includes a provision for video cameras in certain special education classrooms and safe school entryways. The bill passed the Senate unanimously and now goes back to the House. Under the provisions of the bill, the money may not be used to make improvement to facilities not owned by the County Board of Education, public charter schools, or multi-county vocational centers. The Senate also passed House Bill 2670, authorizing the Fire Commission to allow a firefighter to drive an ambulance in a situation where the EMT or the paramedics are treating a patient. Firefighters must first have completed an emergency operation or an emergency services medical provider and fire department involved must have an agreement authorizing the action. The Senate also took action on House Bill 3148, which relates to financing municipal police and fire relief funds. Senator Robert Plymel, Democrat from Wayne County, urged adoption of the bill, saying the bill had come a long way since he first arrived in Charleston. When I first arrived here, uh, the same time the Senator from Morgan arrived, and the, the uh, senator from Montegallia arrived, the pension plans in this state were in terrible shape, including the municipal pension plans. And um, the area that the senator from Cabell and I represent, at that time, the firemen and the uh, police pensions of Huntington were two and four percent funded. And you put that in perspective, a good funded, well-funded plan is 80% or more funded. These have been battles that have been battles that no one knows that you've been making, but these, these uh, battles have been worth it. And I urge the adoption of the bill because I think this is a great next step and one of the final steps in having a totally sound pension plan through the state and at the uh, local municipality level. The bill passed on a vote of 32-0 with Senate action communicated to the House. Who will pay for transporting substance use disorder patients back home when they're done and paying more to state employee retirees garnered debate and passage on the House floor today. The House unanimously passed Senate Bill 237. Originating in Governor Jim Justice's State of the State speech, the bill provides a one-time bonus of $1,500 and increases the minimum monthly benefit for certain state retirees. The one-time bonus payment applies to a retiree 70 years old who has at least 20 years of service and whose monthly annuity is less than $1,000. And monthly benefits for a retired state employee at least 70 years old with at least 25 years of total service would increase to $1,000 per month. The bill goes to the governor for his signature. The House sent Senate Bill 243 back to the Senate after rejecting an amendment. The bill says upon discharging patients, substance use disorder facilities shall offer those patients a means of transportation back to the individual's state of birth, a state which they have previously lived, or a state where they have a family support structure. The contention was who should pay for the transportation, the provider or Medicaid insurance, and whose rates might rise depending on passage. 
Delegate Rick Hillenbrand, a Republican from Hampshire County, opposed the amendment. This sounds like free trips to California, Hawaii, wherever else, and um, maybe it's not directly on the taxpayers, but it's a tax on you, and as just pointed out, this is going to show up in your insurance rates or somewhere else. This is crazy. Let's put those guardrails back. I'm against this. Delegate Scott Heckard, a Republican from Wood County, supported the amendment. This bill is designed to make the people that are making the money off the treatment program to pay to take them back where they come from. It's also designed to save the taxpayers of West Virginia money. In Wood County alone, it's $24 million to $28 million a year that we pay for drug treatment and programs to get people help. There's a lot of people making a lot of money off this, and this bill is a good bill the way it is now. The guardrails Hillenbrand mentioned in a pending amendment would limit patient transportation and payment to 30 miles outside state lines. The Senate amendment failed by voice vote. For our interview today, WVPB News Director Eric Douglas is joined by reporter Curtis Tate to discuss House Bill 2007 and other issues. Thanks for that, Randy. Uh, I'm here in the studio with Curtis Tate. He's our energy and environment reporter, but he's also been following uh, House Bill 2007, which has been a lot of, uh, a lot of controversy throughout the session. Um, it, it's officially called the Youth Protection Act, but um, a, a lot of people say it's, it's taking away trans rights from especially uh, youth uh, who, who are trans and, and looking for gender-affirming surgery or medical procedures, not necessarily surgery. So uh, the, it started out in the House. Uh, there was a public hearing finally passed uh, in the House. But um, it went to the Senate Health and Human uh, Resources Committee last week, and uh, there was a pretty long discussion there. Tell me a little bit about what, they, what that chamber discussed. Uh, that's right, Eric. Uh, th that committee spent more than an hour uh, debating this bill. It, it, uh, uh, it was a, you know, a pretty, a pretty uh, robust exchange, and you know, the committee ultimately approved the bill. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily along party lines. Let me just take a second and kind of describe, you know, it, 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 the basic concept of HB 2007. Uh, this bill would would uh, ban uh, gender reassignment surgeries uh, for minors. Uh, it would also restrict uh, minors from receiving uh, 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 medical treatments like uh, puberty blockers and, and hormone therapy. Um, you know, anyone under 18 uh, couldn't receive this therapy. Uh, and, and of course, you know, a lot of uh, uh, medical professionals uh, consider gender this kind of gender-affirming care, not the surgeries, but the, the hormone treatments and the therapies as essential and necessary, you know, for the well-being of these, uh, of these younger people. But uh, the, the, uh, the lawmakers, uh, want to, uh, to to restrict it for, for people under 18. Let me, let me, actually, I know you did a, an interview earlier this, uh, during the session with one of the, one of the doctors at WVU who, who performs this kind of care. Um, how often, what, how big of a, an issue is it? How many, how many, how many trans youth in West Virginia see this kind of care? Well, you're, you're talking about uh, Dr. Casey Kidd of, of WVU. She did uh, testify at that hearing we were talking about just last week. Uh, I also spoke to her uh, last month. 
Um, I, I think that, that she said that there that there may be hundreds of okay. uh, of uh, minors who who seek care. And and by the way, it's important to note that 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 none of this care takes place without parental consent. Right. Uh, the, the the parents have to have to be on board, <laughs> and so does the youth. The parents can't decide make that decision for them. So I think that's important to know, and it's also important to know uh, that 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 this clinic that, that that Dr. Kidd is a part of does not do gender reassignment surgery or gender confirmation surgery for for minors. Uh, she has been stressing, and others have stressed, that across the country uh, it is very rare. For, for surgery to take place. And another thing that, that she and others point out is that these, these hormone treatments, puberty blockers that, that we're talking about, those things are reversible. Right. You can't actually put those on pause and, and you know, for whatever reason. Sure. I, one other point I wanted to ask you about, um, for Dr. Kidd, and I've heard other people make it too, but one of the big concerns is, is the suicide rate amongst uh, uh, children or youth who are who are trans or struggling uh, with their with their gender identity and, and trying to seek out some kind of care to to help them get a handle on that. What do you do you know those numbers off the top of your head? Uh, that's right. Not, perhaps not exact numbers, but but we you know we know for sure that the uh, the suicide rates for LGBTQ youth uh, are higher, and then within within that group. Uh, they're, they're even higher still for, for transgender youth. I think Dr. Kitt said something like uh, 300 times uh, the, the suicide rate of, of uh, their uh, cisgender, that is non-transgender peers. Wow, uh, and, and so this care would, would allow them to, to maybe get a better grasp on things. But so who, was some of the, who were some of the, the people speaking in the the, the committee last week, and, and what and what was kind of surprising about some of that? Well, I'm glad you asked that because um, uh, kind of at the at the center uh, of the, the the whole debate were two uh, doctors, two senators who happened to be doctors, uh, Senator Tom Takubo of Kanawha County, um, a Republican, and, and also the chair of that committee, uh, Senator Mike Maroney of uh, I believe it's Marshall County. I, I believe uh, you're right, yeah. uh, You know, also a Republican, and. Um, Senator Takubo especially had had some concerns. He he kind of indicated that, th that th this was fairly new to him, and I don't think he was alone. I think he he he's kind of gone through a process to where he he understands that 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 this care is is valuable, and in some cases, you know, can be necessary uh, to to um, for the mental health right. and well-being of of, of these uh, of these young people. Um, and, and so he, he tried to offer uh, a series of amendments uh, to, to HB 2007. They all got voted down. Uh, there was one in particular where, where he, he, uh, he offered an amendment to say that, that any, uh, any transgender minor who's current, currently receiving uh, treatment, such as puberty lockers or hormone therapy, can continue right. to, to, to receive it. You know, they don't have to stop. Um, and, and, you know, the chairman of the committee, uh, uh, Senator Maroney, uh, he indicated that he had a, a bit of a struggle with it himself, but he, he said that he supported that amendment, but ultimately it, it didn't pass. And, and, and actually the lead uh, uh, senator who, the senator who was leading the push against these amendments was Eric Tarr of Putnam, Putnam County. All right. Well, but what's important to note, or an interesting to note, I guess, is all three of the senators you mentioned are Republicans. So this isn't, they weren't lockstep uh, 
against this or for this legislation, I guess. Uh, that's right. Um, of course, as we know, there are very few Democrats in the uh, in the right. Senate chamber, um, and and I think that there was one Democrat, uh, Senator Plymail, who who voted no. Uh, but but Senator Tacubo was, as far as my ears could tell, uh, they they didn't count the roll call. Uh, I, I think he was the only hard no among his Republican colleagues. I believe Senator Maroney actually did vote voted out of committee, but it goes to the Judiciary Committee now, so I'm sure there's going to be additional debate. Um, you know, I mentioned it a moment ago, but the um, uh, House Bill 2007, when it was moving before the House last, or a couple weeks ago now, uh, they did a public hearing. Uh, tell me a little bit about the public hearing. I, I believe it was pretty one-sided. Well, it was. Um, there were something like 70 speakers who signed up, and, and the, the thing went for, uh, for more than an hour. It was in the House chamber, of course. Uh, only two out of those 70-something were, uh, were in favor. Uh, the rest were against. It was a variety of people. You know, you had, you had some doctors. Uh, you had some, uh, some, some counselors. You had parents. You had uh, trans people themselves. Who, who testified, you know, that, that if, if this bill becomes law, uh, you know, the, the, the harm they think it could cause, it could cause families to leave West Virginia because they may have to seek care in other states. Um, you know, just warning of, of all these consequences. And, you know, the, the uh, uh, speaking of one side of the, uh, the House vote in favor of, of 2007 was pretty lopsided too. Uh, you, We've been seeing, you know, you and I, un unfortunately, watch way too much of the lo of the news, but um, it's it's an occupational hazard. But indeed, um, we've seen a nationwide push uh, yes. to to restrict transgender rights. Uh, tell me about some of the things happening in other states. Well, just last week, in fact, uh, uh, Kentucky is. Uh, House of Representatives, as they call it there, uh, voted for a very similar bill. Uh, and, and also last week, Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee signed uh, a, a similar bill. Uh, and even, even a state that, that is perhaps not as, as conservative uh, as we, we think about those states, Virginia, uh, their legislature has been considering um, th this similar kind of legislation. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those, a lot of bills being proposed and, and passing, passing fairly easily. I want to shift gears for just a second. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, you're our energy and environment reporter here. So, um, and there's been an awful lot of, of energy bills and, and that sort of discussion in, in the legislature as well. Um, over the weekend, the, the House of Delegates passed Senate Bill 2000, or excuse me, 206. Um, what does that bill do? Yeah, 206, a lot of numbers we have to keep track of and sometimes it, it, it's hard, but yeah, 206, uh, which uh, uh, the Senate approved unanimously last month um, and almost unanimously in, the, in the, uh, the House, all but five, five votes in favor, uh, would basically throw up a, 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 you might call it a bureaucratic hurdle uh, to a, a, an electric power company that wants to close a, uh, a generating facility, a power plant. Um, by basically requiring them to seek the permission of the State Public Energy Authority, uh, which had been enacted for some time, but, but Governor Jim Justice uh, revived it probably about a year and a half ago. So it would require them to seek permission to deactivate uh, or also demolish uh, a, uh, a power plant. Now here's an important thing to remember. There, there are actually several inactive power plants, all coal-fired in West Virginia. Um, 
but but really I think that this particular bill only affects one, and that's the Pleasance Power Station in Pleasance County, which is owned by Energy Harbor. Uh, it is set to close uh, later this spring, I believe at the end of May. And, uh, and, and I think that, that, that perhaps this legislation is aimed at trying to, to, to you know, forestall that somehow. And, and it's also, uh, I should also note that, that both chambers uh, uh, overwhelmingly I think probably unanimously in both cases approved resolutions uh, saying that, that, that Pleasance should not close and in fact that, that, that Mon Power, one of the, the major utilities in the state, should, should buy it. Um, the, the, the Public Service Commission uh, asked Mon Power to evaluate the possibility of purchasing Pleasance and they're currently doing that. We'll hear about it later this month. Um. What's the, what's the point? Why, the, the company's trying to close the plant. What's going on? What? Well, it's about a couple of things. It's about saving saving coal mining jobs. These plants uh, burn West Virginia coal. Uh, you know, the, the the plant employs probably 150 people in Pleasance County. Uh, it, it contributes um, a substantial amount, probably more than a million dollars a year in, in tax revenue, local tax revenue. Uh, and then, of course, there's the ancillary businesses that it supports, the gas stations and the, the, the grocery stores and, and also contract workers who come in and do regular sure. routine maintenance on the plant, um, you know, as required. So it, it has just a kind of a, a, a downstream impact that they're worried about. But, the, you know, there are, there are funds available to help transition power plant communities and coal communities uh, to, to other sort of economic opportunities. Uh, but I guess my question too though is why is the, the company trying to, to close this plant? What, what, what's, you know, if it's, if it's contributing all this to the grid and everything, why? why? Sure, well, this particular company, Energy Harbor, uh, also has a, a, a coal-fired power plant in, in Ohio and two nuclear plants in Ohio, and they're trying to go carbon-free. That's, that, okay. that's part of their objective there. but. It, it, it also happens that, that several years ago, this plant became uh, uneconomic to operate and was going to close, but the West Virginia legislature and the governor uh, gave it a $12 million tax break that kept it going for longer than really it was even supposed to be. So it's, it's inefficient and, and it's closing up. We just got a few, uh, few moments left. Uh, any, anything else similar going out or around in the uh, other states that you've seen? Uh, yes, actually Kentucky. Uh, just. Uh, I can't remember which which chamber, but but uh, there there is a very similar bill in Kentucky, and the utility companies there object to it. There there so far has been silence on on West Virginia's bill from Mon Power and, and AEP. Interesting. All right, thanks, Curtis. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for that, Eric. The legislature today will end Friday night, but tune in Saturday evening for the final hours. We will be broadcasting live from 8 p.m. until midnight when the session officially ends. The rest of the week, you can still tune into the legislature today at 6 p.m. I'm Randy Yowie. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. 
Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com.